Sorry for the delay. I was in the middle of watching Power and taking my notes on Sunday um, when I heard that my favorite athlete of all time passed away in a helicopter accident. Uh, I was hoping that it was a hoax. You know, maybe somebody got bored and wanted to make up some bullshit. So I kept refreshing the timeline to see how many outlets were reporting it. Um, at a certain point, it was confirmed. And at that point, I didn't give a damn about anything. Um, I didn't want to believe it. So I took a nap, hoping that I was dreaming. And um, I thought when I woke up, I wouldn't see anything about this nonsense. And uh, I woke up from my nap. And it was all over the timelines and all on TV. So there was no way I could turn on the laptop and press record at that time. Kobe is my favorite athlete of all time. And Tupac is my favorite rapper of all time. And um, for those that don't know, the opening and closing instrumental is a song by Tupac called Against All Odds. And Tupac was killed in 1996, September. I was also hurt by that. But two months later, I'm watching TV, and I see this guy that kind of looks like Tupac a little bit playing basketball. And uh, I'm like, man, this guy's nice. And I started watching him, and then I just locked in my head his name and that he played for the Lakers. And anytime there was a Laker game on, I made sure I was front and center to watch it. Um, and over time, he just became my favorite. I just didn't want to miss one game that he played in. Um, and Jordan was still in the league at the time, but young Kobe was such a competitor that he welcomed the challenge of trying to defend Jordan whenever they played each other. To me, Kobe is the, uh, a symbol of perseverance. And when he won his first chip in the year 2000, that was also another sensitive time for me in my life, so that just spoke to me on so many different levels. And he followed that up by winning the chip in 2001, and then of course he followed that up by winning the chip again in 2002. And rings four and five was the icing on top of the icing, on top of the icing, on top of the icing of the cake. Luckily for me, I did get to attend two Lakers games to see Kobe play live, one time in Los Angeles against the Denver Nuggets, and he busted their ass, and then one time against the New Jersey Nets here in Jersey, and he busted their ass. That was very satisfying to me, so I needed that. And he delivered, and um, there was nothing you can tell me then, and there is nothing that you can tell me now. Kobe being Bryant is the best basketball player of all time. Rest in peace. Please respect this eight seconds of silence. Thank you for tuning in to The Limitless Experience with Eric. Well, this is an awkward transition. 
I know you guys are probably thinking, did he go right from that into this fictional television show? Uh, the answer is no. I definitely took a break in between. That's one of the benefits of recording a podcast that's not live. You can literally record for about 10 minutes, hypothetically speaking, go out into an adult establishment, have a few drinks, come back and finish recording the next day with the raspy voice. <coughs> Episode 9. But let's get to it. So as I said a few seconds ago, this is a fictional television show. And it's very, very, very coincidental that last week at the top of last week's episode, I said, this is a fictional TV show. The Instagram shit has got to stop. And what happens to Michael Rainey Jr. this week on Instagram? He's getting death threats because of a character he plays on a fictional television show. He said he got over 300 death threats. That He's a child. He's not even a grown man yet. He's still a child. He's a child actor, and people are sending him death threats. Listen, I like ghosts. I like James St. Patrick. I want him to live. I think we've all come to the realization that he's dead. But he's a fictional character. He's not real. Sending real death threats to a child, come on, that's got to stop. That's not cool at all. It's a fictional television show. So I hope that none of my listeners are any of those people that sent that child death threats because of a fake television show. As I said at the top of this episode, um, I really didn't care about the timing of the release of this episode, especially with the Super Bowl coming up. I don't think that they're going to show the finale the same day as the Super Bowl. So, you know, I knew I had time to get this episode out and to have my diehard listeners uh, catch up with me. But um, I did receive a DM from Mary, and I want to say thank you, Mary. You absolutely did reignite something in me that made me want to come home and get right to this episode. Um, so if anybody saw Bad Boys 3, shoot me a DM and let me know if it's worth watching at Limitless underscore E on the gram. Thank you. When Power first started, I was immediately attached to the show. I wanted it to last forever, but how can a television show about a murderous drug dealer last forever? I mean, in season one, episode one, within the first 10 minutes, he had already killed someone. Remember, Megalito? Tell me who hired you. And then you can come work for us. Tonight you sleep in Tucama. Still have a choice, Megalito. Let's go ahead. Si hablo, matan mi familia. <laughs> I'm not afraid to die. And I'm not afraid to kill you. And then he went right back upstairs to the club and acted as if nothing happened. And if that wasn't enough, this is how he treated Tasha. So very early on, they planted the seeds that this dude will murder anybody and he don't give a damn about his actual wife, the mother of his children. But at some point somewhere, myself and everybody else that's Team Ghost still developed a huge liking for him. Omari Hardwick played the character of James St. Patrick slash Ghost 
very well, and I think that's what made us all fall in love with the character that he played. Um, but if you're, you know, around, I guess, 25 or older, you've probably watched enough TV to know that most of these shows don't have a fairy tale ending. Also, didn't think that anybody else can carry the show the way Omari did. But watching last week's Tommy episode, I was proven wrong because that episode was great. Joseph Sakura did a great job. And on his Instagram, he posted a picture of himself wearing a hat that said Tommy season one. So if there is a spinoff with him as the lead, I'm definitely going to watch it. Now to episode 14. It is titled Reversal of Fortune, and it begins with Councilman Tate getting wasted at a bar because the lovable James St. Patrick threw a monkey wrench into his run for governor. And he puts in the call to have a mess cleaned up, and we all know what mess that is. But Councilman Tate is a sloppy drunk, and he was getting out of control, so the bartender had to put a call into his brother, played by Lamar Tate, who's actually his brother in real life. I'm sure you guys know that. And if you didn't, then... So his brother Kamal brings him back home to his crib. And once Richard wakes up, he joins his sister-in-law Simone and nephew Elijah at the kitchen table to have a cup of coffee. Now with these spinoff episodes, they're giving you pretty much a deeper understanding of who these characters really are. And I like the fact that they showed Kamal's family, you know, a black family, sitting down and having breakfast as a unit and also showing that the child that they have is smart and he's he about that education life and not playing video games or shooting a basketball or skipping school to drink syrup with a drug dealer that killed his own son. Now, while sitting down and about to drink his coffee, Rashard sees the news on the television that Jane St. Patrick is about to join the Lorette Walsh ticket and become her lieutenant governor. And Rashard is livid. Then we meet Croup, father, and Carter, the son. They are a murder-for-hire tag team duo, and we get to see just how they get down. Now, in all honesty, I could have done without the graphic thigh meat slicing scene way too much for me I honestly turned away but we do understand that they kill people and fat boy Frankie had a problem touching little kids so Croup would have done this for free now his son Carter is a little wet behind the ears he's not doing everything the exact way it's supposed to get done so Croup kind of has to walk him along a little bit and you know that's going to come up again now they are in Washington and of course they get summoned by Tate to come to New York but before Tate meets with them he crashes Lorette Walsh's brunch, where Stephen Ott of the Democratic Party and Lorette Walsh pretty much tell him to concede. And this is where we see the James St. Patrick and Tate when it comes to counting them out. Rashad, you played your best hand and you lost. Al Gore has a better chance of winning New York than you do. So just bow out gracefully while you still have a shred of dignity. Okay, old dog. Any of y'all want a hamburger? Now, as black folk, what's the first thing we do when things ain't going right? That's right. We go right to church. And that's what Rashad Tate did. The same church with Reverend Macedon and his shady ways. This scumbag, yes, I said scumbag, used Raina's death and funeral to gain notoriety and popularity for his church. Not to mention... 
he called James St. Patrick out his name when he first met him. We don't allow those devices in here, son. Apologies. Uh, James is fine. I'm very sorry about your loss, James. Now, right away, that put a bad taste in my mouth on Reverend Macedon. And if ghosts don't like you, then I don't like you. That being said, Reverend Macedon also said this to tape. Wait a minute, what? So, you reverend come before the community? You can see this dude is just motivated by the money. Like most of them. Rev is a fraud. Now, Tate went to that church because he knew he needed a miracle. And somehow, someway, that miracle came very fast. Councilman Tate, can we speak with you for a minute? No interviews, please. I know we're not pressed. We're with a special FBI DOJ task force investigating James St. Patrick. How'd you like to help us put him behind bars? Now, because of this mini miracle, Rashard Tate no longer needs hitmen, father and son, Krupp and Carter. But they did come all the way from Washington, so... So take your pick. Either we killing this nigga, or we killing you. Tick-tock, niggas! Even when he's serious, he's funny, man. Cedric the Entertainer, funny dude. It was cool to see him play somebody serious that still had a tinge of comedy with him. But here's the thing about that. Later in this episode, and even prior to what happened right in front of Club Truth with the news reporter, we know that Councilman Tate, like any councilman or anybody doing anything slick that they shouldn't be doing, is quick on their feet and they know what to say and when to say it and can make you believe it. Councilman Tate did not have to give up James St. Patrick's name. All he said to them was, I got a mess for you guys to clean up. Get down here. That being said, Rashard could have said to them, you know what, guys? I don't need you anymore. The homie I needed you to kill, he's already been killed by somebody else. Here's some bread anyway. He did not have to give up that name. We saw how quick he was on his feet. He did not have to tell him his name. But he gave him James St. Patrick's name anyway. And Krupp said, We will get the job done. The lie detector test determined that was a lie. But for real though, where you get the 100K from to give to Dre? Just tell him, look, the mark has been clapped already. Here go 100K. But a bing, but a boom. Have a nice day. Go back to Washington. Now you got another mess to clean up. You would have been better off giving them the bread, saying thanks for coming. Homie dead. So now you got to go to Club Truth and talk to James St. Patrick. Good luck with that. There's some really, really Your bad... Your bitch ass just don't know when the motherfucking quit, do you? Here I am, trying to help you save face, and you just keep fucking pushing your luck. You keep doing that shit, and I'm gonna change my mind, okay? Get the fuck out of my club. I think we may have forgotten how much of a... arrogant streak... kind of swag James was on. You know, because episode 11 was the Dre episode. we seen it from his point of view. Episode 12 was Paz. 13 was Tommy. This one was Tate. But I believe episode 10 was Ghost's point of view. Remember, he was talking to Dre. He said, yeah, you a different kind of bitch-ass nigga. He talking to Tasha, said, look, I release you from my marriage. He talking to Tate crazy. He told uh, Tariq, turn himself in. Like, James was really smelling himself. 
Now, Tate tried multiple times to inform James that Krupp and Carter was coming for him, literally multiple times, and he let James overtalk him each time. Instead of saying, James, please listen to me, or wait, I have one thing to tell you, just spit it out, say very, very quickly, James, niggas trying to kill you. Or, here's another idea. Remember the episode where Ghost and Tommy was beefing and James asked Councilman Tate to shut down one of the main streets so he knew exactly where 2-Bit and Tommy would be at and he ambushed them and then proceeded to have a shootout in broad day with Tommy and 2-Bit and then had two of his dirty cops fake arrest James and bring him back to Club Truth because he knew that James was about to do some dumb shit. Where are they at? You could have had them do multiple things. Two of them are either they watch James and make sure nothing happens to James or since they dirty cops and you got obviously dirt on them already, have those two cops take out Croup and Carter before anything happens. They are hitmen. You can string them to a bunch of murders in Washington. So got to do better than that, Tate. But you gave them James' name. And now we know who the second car was that was watching James as he came out of Club Truth. So this duo follows James to the meetup with Tommy. They got one job, right? What does Carter do? He misses the shot. <laughs> now guess what segment that's coming back up in. There you go. Now his daddy died protecting him. He actually covered Carter while shots was ringing out. And then he tried to have a shootout with Tommy, which we know he wasn't going to win that battle. Of course, Tommy clapped him, and Carter got away momentarily. Now, he should have took his young ass back to Washington, because as I said earlier, he's a little wet behind the ears. His daddy had to coach him. He shouldn't have ran up on tape. He ain't about this hitman life without his daddy. Carter violates the number one rule when you pull a gun on somebody. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is... If you pull it, you better use it. So he's back at Kamal's crib. I guess he went there to chill with the family. I was kind of questioning why, and I don't actually know why he was at Kamal's crib. Like, does he have, obviously he has his own crib. But also, even at the end, I'm going to get to that. He rented a room, or Cassandra rented a room. Like, we haven't ever seen Tate's crib. I don't know why. And if I'm wrong, let me know. I'm not perfect. Now, here's the thing with this whole situation with the hitman. He ran down on you at Kamal's crib. So much to unpack. One, why does he know where Kamal lives, right? Two, and I'm not even doing this in order, so let's rewind. In the beginning, how did they get Frank? They obviously ran up on him and kidnapped him tied him up, tortured him, let him know what they was about to hit him for, and then they clapped him, right? So why couldn't they do that with James? Why would they shoot James from so far away? If these guys are hitmen, they should have stealthily snuck up on James, kidnapped him, told him what it was hitting for. Listen, homie, you just the next brother on the hit list. We got to do you like this. Bang, game over. But back to the standoff. Why does this man have Kamal's address? I mean... When you're handling guys like this, you should be smart enough to keep it strictly professional with you to the point where they don't know anything about you except for who's the mark, where's the money. 
now you put your family at risk. But during that standoff, I feel like Tate actually realized that Carter is still a baby. And even if they did make it into the house, his brother being a cop would have put a hole in Carter's head anyway. So even though he said, listen, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that to your family and you're going to watch, it wasn't going down like that because his brother, Kamal, would have definitely ended him ASAP. It just so happens that homie ain't even get to go inside the crib. The brother heard the commotion, and he came outside and popped him one time in the chest. Carter was straight noodles for standing in front of Rashard Tate that long with a gun in his face anyway. We all know, if you pull a gun, you better use it. Except Carter. Now, there were so many reversals of fate in this episode alone, obviously, hence the title. Um, so now... The Democratic Party made the feds shut down any type of pursuit of action against James St. Patrick. So now Tate is back to square one. As we know, he calls up Dre, gives him the money, yada, yada, yada. But now he's got to go downtown and explain to the cops what happened between him and Carter, which wasn't too hard to explain to them. He is an ex-cop. They like him. He's, you know, a councilman, and they want to be on his good side. So they completely, literally sweep this thing under the rug. And his brother, Kamal, he not with the BS. He knows his brother very well, and he feels like his brother's hiding something. I'm telling you now, I cannot help you if I don't know the whole story. All right, listen. I knew it. I fucking knew it. Can you chill the fuck out and let me get it out? But Tate didn't give up information this time. He stood tall and told his brother he had nothing to do with anything and completely threw Andre Coleman under the bus. Now at this time they on their way to Club Truth because they were just notified that there was a shooting at Club Truth, which is another reversal of fate because it keeps going back and forth. Now it seems as though Tate is back in the driver's seat because James St. Patrick has been shot. But Tate has to make sure that the job is done so he makes his way to Club Truth against his brother's wishes and he stopped by Channel 12 News. And once he learns that James is dead, he goes into Tate for Governor mode. Sadly, Mr. St. Patrick was unable to rise above his personal struggles, which is why I'm urging every New Yorker within the sound of my voice to join me in a moment of silent prayer. Because in these troubled times, the only thing that we can rely on is our higher power. I was looking at this Joker the same way his brother was. He sure as hell did. Now, obviously, we know Tate's going to go on to become governor because Lorette Walsh doesn't have the black vote. So it is what it is. Tate's about to be governor. Now, for the very last um, scene, they actually, obviously, we're getting to the last episode, revealed that on the news, they have arrested the shooter or the killer of James St. Patrick. The murderer of local entrepreneur and aspiring Lieutenant Governor candidate James St. Patrick has just been arrested. Our team is just arriving on the scene of the arrest. Please stay tuned for more details. And we are live. Wait. I'm being told we are about to get our first look at the suspect. Shit. Now, I'm going to 
into predictions and I'll get to my you'll hear it only here exclusive ain't no way after that since that's how the show ended so at first I had it down to three people it was Tate Tasha and Tariq Tate obviously is out of the question we haven't seen Tasha Tariq and Sax somehow some way they're probably going to put all three of those into one episode and um it actually wouldn't make sense to show them one by one by one anyway because if they show six of the suspects and it's not the first six obviously it's going to be the last one so we're going to see the Tasha Sachs and Tariq episode all in the um final 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 episode of this last season which will probably be the best hour and a half of television and I just got some good news futuristic Mike we gonna talk bro so with one episode left in this amazing series there is only one thing to predict and that is who shot James St. Patrick now, I know there's a lot of leaks that have been out there. Some people have seen them already, um, but we don't know which one is real and which one isn't. I myself have stayed far away from any leaks. I don't want to have anything ruined for me. Whenever Power decides to put out the final episode, that's when I will watch it. I'm not going to click on Facebook or Instagram and watch some grainy video. I'm going to give a handful of predictions, and they're going to go in a few different directions. So it is what it is. Now, we all know Mary J. Blige is in Power Book 2, and I was reading something somewhere that said Power Book 2 Ghost is, um, I guess, going to be focused on, like, the women of power because, you know, Mary J. Blige is going to be in it. Maybe Mary J. Blige is a lawyer, and she is defending dun, 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 Tasha. Maybe Tasha shot Ghost, and because she is a woman scorned, and Ghost put his hands on her, so she still has bruises on her arm. She has a case for a justifiable homicide. Maybe Tasha St. Patrick did shoot Ghost. That's the angle I'm seeing. It could be her. And she may have a valid case to beat the murder charge. 50 Cent did say on multiple platforms that Power Book 2 Ghost takes place 48 hours after James is shot. So obviously 48 hours later, Mary J. Blige is the lawyer and she's going to help Tasha beat the charge. That's my prediction for it being Tasha. I hope it's not Tariq. I'm not even going to get into why it could be Tariq because we already know Tariq is an asshole. He feels like his dad lied to him and blah, blah, blah. You lied to me, dad. Whatever. He's a spoiled brat. The other angle I'm seeing is all Sachs wanted to do was bring down James St. Patrick. That's all he ever wanted to do. And he's about to be arrested. All of the nonsense that he was doing, abusing his power and his job by going and talking to people and setting up things he shouldn't have set up, having Dre plant phones and things like that. So it could be Sachs. Now I'll put that audio clip of the news reporter saying what he said in this for a reason. They said the shooter has been arrested, right? And at that exact moment, Ramona was leaving the hotel room. So it doesn't completely 
absolve her, but that Ramona is my, she is my long shot. She's got a lot of mystery to her, and um, I don't know. Maybe she's got some dark shit with her. Maybe James killed somebody from her past, and she just now figured it out. And, um, you know, she wants to get revenge. Like I said, she is a long shot. An even longer shot is Cantos. Cantos wants some revenge on Ghost also. And nobody knows the ins and outs of Club Truth better than Cantos. Second to James. Cantos here is the exact opposite of everything I want this place to be. From now on, this lying, bullshitting, backstabbing piece of shit isn't welcome on these premises. If you see him here after today, in fact, call security. Matter of fact, I think they're ready for him now. James, James, you need me. You, you can't run this place without me. I can and I will. Get him the fuck out of my sight. Loyalty is everything to me. I deserve it and I demand it. Now, if that's not a good enough reason to catch James St. Patrick slipping right before he becomes lieutenant governor, I don't know what is. I can absolutely see Cantos hiding behind the shadows in the corridor somewhere. And he knows, like like I said, nobody knows Club Truth better than James. Nobody knows where James likes to stand in Club Truth when he's on top of the world and he's looking down at all his accomplishments. That's what James went up there to do. He went up there to that balcony to look down and pretty much soak it all in. And who, whoever killed him knew he was going to be there so if it is cantos when they show the season finale or the series finale on february 9th i want all of y'all to hit my page and tell me that i was right and if it's not cantos then leave me alone so those are my predictions now for the ain't no way carter 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 you have one job brother and that job was to pick Ghost's head off. I'm disappointed in him. You guys are hitmen. I know he wet behind the ears, but ain't no way he should have missed. You had a scope on the gun, bro. You should have popped Ghost's head off. And Tommy should have been picking up the pieces and bringing them to the doctor and saying, can you put this back together? James wasn't even moving. But they did show us how much of a rookie... Carter was, but like I said, only in the world of power. Homeboy should not have missed. And then he's a two-time offender of the Ain't No Way because he pulled the gun on Rashard Tate and sat there and talked with him. I'm not talking. If I pull this thing out, your head is coming off. Ain't no way I'm sitting there talking to you like, you the reason my daddy dead. Like, nah, 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 nah. I'm going to pop you and then stand over your corpse and tell you why I killed you. You know why I killed you, but I got to tell you why you alive for. I'm going to tell you why you dead. Ain't no way I'm letting something else happen besides you dying. And on top of that, why you get so close? You know you that gun got bullets in it. You all up close on him. You ain't even about that life. He might have punched you in your face and took it from you. But he ain't even have to do that because his brother shot you. And his brother shot you from the same distance that you should have shot Rashard Tate. Ain't no way I'm letting him live if you got my pops killed. And that's it for this episode. Um, as you know, the Instagram is limitless underscore E. You want to tell me anything, send me a DM. Let me know what your predictions are. 
Let me know what you think of the pod. The finale is going to skip a week. The Super Bowl is this Sunday. And I'm telling you guys now, the Kansas City Chiefs will be Super Bowl champs. Then the next Sunday, February 9th, is when the power finale will come on. So I will see you guys then. Thank you for tuning in. Have a good day. And as always, spread love. If you would like to, you can contact the podcast at limitlessepod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Peace out.